0: A reading from the 22nd chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest... Seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You ever been invited to a wedding? Anybody? Willing to shake a head? You ever been invited to a wedding you didn't want to go to? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people invite you to a wedding because they know you like to write checks. They want your gifts. Sometimes people invite people to a wedding because... You know, they used to date them, and now they want to see the better person they're marrying. That happens. (laughs) What y'all laughing about? I'm telling you, it happens. (laughs) Y'all laughing because it happens, ain't you? Yeah. Sometimes people invite people to a wedding because they actually want them to be there. Did you know that? Sometimes when you get that save the date thing, I don't think we did a save the date thing way back when. We tried to have our wedding as close to my birthday as we could because I was pretty certain I wouldn't be able to remember our anniversary date. But in 27 years, I haven't forgotten. Or 28, I was something, a long time. (laughs) Samantha's forgotten twice. Just completely slipped her mind. Every day is an anniversary with you, she said. She's right. Every day begins anew. But I tell you, we tried to do that and the men's club at Main Street United Methodist Church was having their fish fry that weekend and they they didn't want to move it. Now, if we'd had any sense, we would have had flounder at the reception, right? I mean, it would have been cheaper than than the food the family cooked. But it's funny the things we try to think through about a wedding and often the one that we don't think quite through enough is the guest list. People have been hurt because they didn't get a save-the-date card, right, on that first thing. Oh, you got one? I didn't get one. They don't want me to save the date. Fine, I'll do something else. Um, And then people have been hurt because they didn't get the final invitation, even though they got the the save-the-date token or magnet or whatever it was. These are things that hurt people because we understand that something really important is happening, Right? especially in the Christian tradition of marriage. In the Christian tradition of marriage, we believe that God is joining two people in a way that goes beyond our real ability to understand, and that somehow God is in the midst of that, creating something new, making two families one, and bringing about something beautiful that can be a witness to God's love for us when it's done right. And wedding banquets in Jesus' day, weren't entirely different from that, especially a royal wedding banquet. If the king was giving a wedding, you wanted an invitation because it was important, and everybody who was anybody would be there. And boy, if you're invited to the king's son's wedding, doesn't that seem like a big deal? It just does to me. When I read that, I think, wow, what what, what, what a cool thing it would be to, to have... Pick up the phone one day. Hey, hey, Dave, this is President Trump. Oh, hey, how are you? Well, my grandson's getting married. I want you to do the wedding. You know, wouldn't that be an honor to have an elected official or a king or, you know, whoever the top official is and the government that presides over you give you a call and say, hey, I want you to do my kid's wedding. Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? But then to be invited, to be a person who's invited to witness the wedding, that's what the congregation at a wedding does. They witness it and they assist the pastor in praying God's blessing upon the people who are being married. And it's really a profound thing if it's thought through. But that guest list, that's a meaningful thing, especially if you're on it. And so Jesus tells a parable about Israel from God's perspective and it's told to those same people he told the one last week to chief priests and the scribes who were resisting his ministry the ones who wouldn't receive his teachings the ones who asked him why in the world are you healing people who are lame and blind in the temple who do you think you are resisting the coming and the celebration of Jesus' presence at the temple remember the kids singing and dancing and they say, make them stop Be on this guest list is a big deal. And so the king sent out for his people to come and to celebrate his son. And that is a direct mark against the chief priests, the people who were charged with pointing the people of God to what God was doing in the world. And what God was doing in the world that day was Jesus of Nazareth. But their hearts were hardened toward him and they couldn't see him for who he was and they wouldn't hear him for what he said. Instead, they were looking for ways to destroy him and put him away. And so essentially, Jesus says they rejected the invitation to the party. They said no. And so then the king sent out for others and they said, We're too busy. We have too much stuff to do to come and honor your son. Every time I read that part of this parable, I think about the time my daughter had to go to a gymnastics meet on Sunday, and it was all I could think about during worship. That one day a week, when we've been asked to set aside for the purpose of honoring the risen Christ, By our faith tradition has asked us to do that. And yet we find other things more important. It is its own way of refusing the invitation. But then there were others who didn't get a save the date card. They didn't get a first call. But the king said, you know what? This first group didn't deserve to come because they chose not to come. They rejected my invitation so they don't deserve my invitation. And he said, but there are those who will come. And he sent his people out to find them, the good and the bad. Did you hear that part? That makes me feel good because it means I don't have to be perfected to come to this party. I don't have to have everything together. I don't have to behave perfectly, think perfectly, sing perfectly, dance perfectly, or whatever it might be that I might have to do at a wedding party. I just got to want to be there. Do you hear that? All that's required is you want to be there. That's cool, isn't it? You might say, well, wait, that's not really all that's required, and in a way you're right. Because there was one person who showed up. We're not really sure why he showed up, but he showed up looking differently than everybody else. He didn't have on his wedding attire. I've seen some interesting things happen with wedding attire. Once I saw a stepmother wear the same dress as the mother, that didn't go over well. Attire, these things matters. I've been pretty sure that I can't wear my Iron Maiden tour shirt to the weddings I do, right? But I've had, I love the fact that I can put a collar on and not get away with not wearing a suit coat, right? Because <laughs> it's hot at those things. 2,500 people in a room doing an electric slide generates heat. (laughs) But to be invited to this party means that somehow we honor the one who calls us by wearing what's required, right? If you receive an invitation and it says, tuxedo required, you're going to wear a tuxedo, am I right? Most of the time. Unless you just want somebody to come say, you got to leave. Or if you get one that says sackcloth required, you're going to wear sackcloth. If you get one that says sundress required, some of us guys, we might balk at it. But if it's important enough, we're going to put that sundress on and go. (laughs) What are we asked to wear to this party that we've been invited to? You've been invited to the wedding banquet of the sun. That is Jesus' point. The, The book of Revelation tells a beautiful story about a coming banquet a coming supper of the lamb the wedding supper of the lamb when the christ is presented when christ is presented with the church as his bride what i mean to say is when the church is presented to christ as his bride so this parable that jesus is telling while it has weight for those people in front of him those people who were refusing to honor the son who had come to the temple it also has weight for us cuz it asks us are we refusing to honor him in our daily life and are we pursuing Him and follow Him and as people who are invited to a daily party, a party of honoring the Son and preparing ourselves to be presented to Him as His bride? And part of that preparing is getting fitted for the proper attire. If you were to receive in the mail that invitation it said, Tuxedo Required. If you're like me, you have two blazers and you don't like wearing either one of them. So I'm going to have to roll down to the men's shop somewhere and get fitted for a tuxedo. Right? Y'all ever done that? Yeah, it ain't no fun. What's really bad is they start shuffling through the drawer to find the right tape measure. Start measuring you. And you're like you see in your life flash before your eyes every time they measure your waist. But you do that, you put yourself through being prepared and having some work with you and fit you for the proper clothes. Here's the good news in this story. What we know as followers of Jesus is that Jesus is fitting us for the banquet. Jesus is at work in us, changing us and transforming us, causing us to put on the clothes that we're supposed to wear. He's actually giving them to us. Now, people have interpreted this wedding garment in two different ways, and I think both are accurate. One is that it's faith, belief in Him, trusting Him, that He is who He said He is and can do what He has said He will do, that He truly can save us from sin and death, that He is the Son of God who came to give Himself for us, that He is the resurrected Christ, If we're going to come and honor this son at his banquet, then we have to believe he is the son of the king. We have to believe that he is the one worthy of being honored. And we have to understand that we are at best guests and that we've done nothing to deserve being present. We've done nothing to deserve being called, but he's called us anyway and said, come and sit at my table with me. That's faith. And following Jesus requires faith. Because sometimes following Jesus is hard. Sometimes when we're faced with a person that we don't want to like, that we would prefer to hate, we will hear Jesus' words in our minds saying, Bless your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemy." Or we might hear Jesus caution us about careless words when we're thinking about cussing somebody out because they cut us off in the parking lot. And following can be hard. Or we might be faced with something in our work that we know we can't do because it's unethical and it will hurt someone and we have to quit a job because following Jesus can be hard. Or we might be like a student under a desk with a gun pointed at her head, said, having someone say, if you disown Jesus, I won't shoot you. Following Jesus can be hard, and it requires faith. And so some have said that the wedding garment is faith. And here's the good news. Faith is a gift from God. Paul said to us that we are saved by grace Through faith, and this is a gift of God, so that we will not boast. Even the faith we have is given to us and being nurtured in us by our Father who has called us to this feast. And then some have said that the garment is righteousness. And you know, righteousness was important to Jesus. Some people say it's not. They say that all will be accepted no matter what. It's, uh, the uh, theological term for that is universalism. But Jesus said that unless our righteousness surpassed that of the Pharisees, that we would not see the kingdom. I take that seriously. I also think it's integral to the gospel because the good news, Paul said, is we are being clothed with Jesus' righteousness. Righteousness. That in our baptism, we put on the righteousness of Christ, not so that God will be fooled. No, we are being changed by the righteousness of Christ within us. Shaped and molded. Made holy. Made righteous. Until that time when we begin to love others and love God in a habit in the same way as breathing. When was the last time you had to remind yourself to breathe? John Wesley taught that when Christians attain perfection, they love God and love their neighbor out of the very habit of life. That's the righteousness that is talked about when it's said that this garment is righteousness. And both of those could be right. I promise you they could. But I read something this week that really stuck with me. One commentator said that he believed that when the person came to the wedding guest who had the wrong clothes on and said this. I want to read it to you again. When the king came to see the guest, he noticed there a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked him, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? One commentator, a person who was actually one of my professors, said something that I think may be right, and I've never read it anywhere else. He said he believed that this is a veiled statement about Judas Iscariot. Now follow me here. Jesus called 12 people to follow him more closely than all the other 500 or so who followed him around the desert. And out of those 12 was one who would betray him. And what we learn in the four Gospels is that he had various reasons, one of which was that satan entered into him another is that he was greedy and a thief from the beginning right but there was something else that was going on with judas i believe i believe judas wanted to force jesus's hand and i think that when judas said hey to the chief priest what will you give me to betray him to you he thought that if he had jesus arrested then jesus would be forced to become the messiah he wanted Which was a Messiah who would roll in and cast Rome out, one who would muster an Israeli army and defeat Pontius Pilate and drive him out of Israel. Judas Iscariot was wearing the wrong clothes to the party. He wore the clothes of a betrayer, not a follower. He wore the clothes of a person who had his own thoughts about what Jesus should be doing, not a follower. And as we're thinking about what it means to follow Jesus, that story has to come into play. Because sometimes what I hear is that Jesus was betrayed by one of his own followers. But dear ones, if Judas had truly been following Jesus, he would not have betrayed him. Oh, he was walking around with him. He went to all the towns that Jesus went to. He saw all the things that Jesus did. But he was one of those who honored Jesus with his lips, but his heart was far from him. What he wanted was what he wanted, and not what God was doing. For we know from the rest of the story that what God was doing is giving his only son for the whole world as an atoning sacrifice, and that Jesus' death is meant to release us from sin and death itself. But Judas... Judas was pushing for Jesus to become king in his way. that's not what a follower does, is it? The tip-off that this might be about Judas comes in the garden when Judas comes up to Jesus to kiss him in the garden. He kisses him on the cheek, and Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you're here to do. Language sounds familiar, doesn't it? Friend. Who let you in here without the proper clothes? So today as you consider your own life and consider this banquet that you have been invited to, that at the end of time there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb and the church of Christ and all who have followed Him throughout time and space will be presented to Him as a bride. And there will be a new creation and we will dwell with Him forever and live our lives out eternally in the presence of absolute and sheer beauty and light. But We're required to wear the right clothes. And so I say to you this, I think that means that we have to want to be there on His terms. And His terms are that we come as guests who observe the king's will. We come as guests who put on whatever is asked of us to put on and not presuming to wear what we want to. There's a party going on and every last one of us is invited. But we must come as guests. I hope that sounds like good news to you. Because the easiest way to show up is as a person who got an invitation. Not as a person who deserves to be there.